simple steps to faith walk. Many people believe that being saved means that you have to give up everything you think is fun or that your life has to change overnight. Our faith walk is a journey that begins with a simple step. A personal journey to the best love affair you will ever experience. A love affair that focuses on relationship, not rules or criticisms. I want to break down this love affair through applying biblical principles in a practical way. So I invite you to take this walk with me and share it with anyone you want to experience a selfless, active, unconditional love. Join me in unlocking the simple steps. Hi everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Simple Steps, The Faith Walk. Thank you for joining us for another episode. And if you've missed the first couple of episodes, feel free to go back and listen or watch them. Uh, we look forward to your feedback, like, comment, share. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about money matters. You know, growing up, I always heard that money is the root of all evil. Hi, PC. Hey, Catherine, how are you? I'm great. I'm very excited about our talk tonight because I think that it's a hot topic. Mm -hmm. Serious business. Yes, yeah, serious business. And for, for many of us, especially those of us that grew up in the Caribbean, you know, we talk about money and it's like money is not a good thing. You know, I, I mm. always grew up hearing things like money is the root of all evil. And well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like you shy away from wanting to earn money, you know? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until much later in life when I got to know God myself and got to read for myself and understand for myself what his mm -hmm. are that I started to understand money in a totally different way and have a much better appreciation. And so today, guys, we're going to be talking about money matters. And I'm very excited about it because... Once we understand biblical principles of money, it opens up, it unlocks a whole new universe for us. Mm. And so that, that, that saying that we always heard, money is the root of all evil, that's not actually what the Bible says. You know, the Bible actually says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, <laughs> yeah. love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some mm -hmm. eager for money have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so mm -hmm. it's that love of money that really drives our choices. And it goes back mm -hmm. all the conversations that we've had before about this walk really being a choice. It's about making better choices for our lives. And it's about making choices that makes God happy with us. Because the truth of the matter is that he, he wants the best for us. And so any guy, anything that he gives us to guide us in a particular direction is usually in our best interest. Mm -hmm. True, true, true. And so if, if we have a God that has created this entire universe and created every single thing in the universe, including money, you know, or the, 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 you know, the idea of money and the idea of trade, the idea of exchange, mm -hmm. um, then obviously his principles must make sense in terms of how to manage and how to grow it, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So today we're going to talk about five biblical principles about, and I'm really excited about it. Um, and the first thing really we want to start PC is how we get money. So hmm. especially growing up in Jamaica, um, mm -hmm. get rich quick. Everybody wants to make money fast. Everybody wants to, you know, live excessively and live well. Whatever their idea of living well comes with living in excess. And, you know, many cultures have grown out of that. So we've had um, the, the drug culture that came out of that mentality. Mm -hmm. The scamming culture that came out of that mentality. Mercy, yeah. I remember one day I was reading the newspaper and they interviewed a, a grade one or a grade two class in Montego Bay around what they wanted to be when they got older. And so the majority of the kids said that they want to be scammers. 
And so when you ask them, why do you want to be a scammer? And they said, because all you have to do is call people and you get money. You get rich was actually the words that they said. And so I think the first principle that we need to talk about is what does God say around how we make our money? Well, well, um, the Bible has a whole lot to say about money, like you're saying, and we have, I'm just agreeing with you, we've grown up in a, grown up in a church culture, I think it is, that make us feel like something wrong with money, uh, rather than the fact that maybe there's something wrong with us, and how we operate with money, and so forth, and how we gain money. You know, uh, in relation to, to, to gaining money, uh, I like to point people to purpose. I like to point people to uh, get as close as possible uh, that they can get to uh, where to God to know that they're doing what God wants them to do with their life. You know, because a lot of people are money driven. So they're uh, provision driven. Uh, you know, they're, they're driven by the, the <laughs> prosperity driven. They're driven by possessions. They want to, by, they're driven by people. They want to get enough money to impress people. So they have all of these things that they're pursuing rather than really being who God wants them to be, first of all. So uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I tell persons that once they've found God's vision for their life, they will always have God's provision for their life. You know, God provides where he gives vision. So God says, live this kind of a way. He says, do this, uh, be this kind of person. And I'll provide for you. So like, you know, that's an undergirding principle. First of all, we don't want to, to allow, uh, you know, the things we want to have to determine the person that we become, right? We must allow who God wants us to be to, to, to guide us, you know? So, um, you know, the, the first principle I would say is to uh, live out, live to fulfill God's purpose and he'll provide money for you. I mean, I, I think uh, obviously we should work. The Bible talks about working and the Bible talks about working hard. You know, I think uh, people that love God, right, should be the hardest workers, not the, you know, so, so a lot of Christians, they, they, they're on this thing where they say, why they should suffer. You know, they, they, they take just a few scriptures, take them, out of con take them out of context to say, well, I can't look like a rich. I can't look like I have too much. I can't look like I put in anything before God. You know, God is saying yes, but I'm calling you to work hard. Yeah. You know, and when you work hard, I want you to be the hardest worker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I want you to be the smartest worker. And I want you to be a worker that works better and better and better and better. Um, and the people that work better, the people that work smarter, the people that work harder generally have more. I mean, that's the way the system works. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's important for us to understand too that, you know, and in Proverbs, the book of wisdom, it tells us that this honest money dwindles away and how we gather our money um, mm. little by little and allow it to grow is the best way mm. to, you talk about um, working harder. And, and for me, it goes back to conversations that we've had before about being excellent. And being excellent really means always giving of our best because at the end of the day, we're supposed to be a reflection of him and if we are truly a reflection of him then we're always going to be giving our, our best in everything and so like you Absolutely. Said, those things will come if we are perform if we're excelling if we're performing at a high level mm -hmm. then everything else will come and so when mm -hmm. you talk about um dishonest money it's you know it's not about stealing it's not about doing drugs it's not about selling stolen goods it's also about going to people's work and not performing sleeping on the job mercy wasting time you know mm. so that we're we're earning an honest living but what people are paying us to do is not what we're doing that's also being dishonest that's true, and so, that's true. you know god really calls us to 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 be excellent in everything that we do so how we gain our money me you know we need to put that into perspective because it's not just about doing illegal things it's also about collecting money and not giving of our best and not giving mm. in exchange for the, what, what we mm -hmm. our commitment. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have a job, PC, um, you have a business rather. Um, so <laughs> most people, you know, when you think about pastors, especially 
here or even in the U.S., you know, most pastors are full-time pastors. They don't really have businesses or they're mm. business solely around themselves, whether they're authors or speakers or whatever. But you actually have a, a franchise business. Why? Mm. Wow. Well, yes. Yeah, so, so, so I own Winking, right? Uh, Winking, in, Winking Restaurants in Jamaica. Uh, well, I, I went into to Wings. You want to hear the real story? So... When we just started the church, we just started the church. I never, I just started the church. Me and me and my wife and a lot of young people like you, uh, but but they couldn't pay me, right? So I I drew from the New Testament paradigm that said, well, you have to go make some money while you're, you know, while you're building the church. So it was like a guy in the New Testament talks about um, Paul, who he did tent making while he was going out and helping to start churches and think that the church then was too small. So that's where I was. Um, so I didn't want to get married, uh, and, and my wife was going to marry me while I broke, right? So, so we started winking together, and it, it, it was amazing. You know, and yes, there, there are all these thoughts on, should I pass the work, Kenina? You know, I, well, here's what I've learned and what I've discovered, um, that God develops pastors uh, so that they are strong enough and, uh, you know, uh, knowledgeable enough and the best so that they can best pastor who he has called them to. And Catherine, is beer business people come to my church? So, 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 the, so, the, so the young professional and business people that are at my church, they love the fact that I have a business. They love the fact that I can talk to them about business. I can talk to them about entrepreneurship. They know that I understand it. They know I can talk to them about debt. They know I can talk to them about employee issues, right? Um, supplier issues. I can talk to them about accounting and numbers. And my my my, my church members they also love wings. Yes. So them like that. More you know, but it's also and yeah. The and cheese balls. And the macaroni and cheese balls and all them kind of nice things. So also it's kind of nice too that my my winking staff they like the fact that I'm a pastor. That there's a man of integrity. Um, that you know it's, it's just a different feeling. So they believe in the business a little bit more. You know we pray before. We, we, we have meetings, we, we, it's a God-blessed business, it's declared as God's business, and, and all those kind of things. So um, that's why I started, and um, that's why I continue. You know, uh, it, it also is obviously a part of what, is, what God is setting up for me and my family, for my children and my children's children. Maybe we'll talk about that uh, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about something controversial, right? Because I think people need to understand. Uh, you look at a lot of the mega churches and you see the private planes, you see all this extravagance, right? Or what people would consider to be extravagant. But if you think about it from a practical perspective, if I am a big pastor of a mega church and I have 20 books that are bestsellers, or I, um, I have speaking engagements all over the world every week or whatever the case is. And that's, that, that money that I'm earning as a pastor, is that the church's money or is that my money? Well, it, it, it depends on who financed it, right? And most people that are writing, most people that are pastors that are writing and that are creating, they're just doing it on their own. Um, so therefore, they just set up a business and they they do ministry and when they preach yeah especially in in some markets in some economies uh, north america and so forth uh the, the people they have a lot of money to spend you know and, and people that are pursuing truth they're buying the truth so in environments like that if you have the truth and you want to sell it well obviously you're gonna you're gonna sell a lot because people are people are purchasing the truth so you know, there, there's a lot to be said, right, about, about pastors that are making money, you know. And, and I, you know, I stopped. I stopped. Uh, of course, I was a cynic at one, you know, at one time. I'm a young man coming into ministry and I see him. I was in North America for a long time and I was around a lot of the ballers and yeah. the shot callers and those pastors that have all of my money. And, um, but I stopped judging them, you know. Let, let me tell you what. And, and this is a rubric you guys can learn. If, if you're sitting back and you're looking at church and you're looking at pastors and you're looking at um, even Christians, the value of a man 
the value of a woman is not determined by what them have, but it is rightly determined by what they give. So I stopped asking the question, if I see them in a Benz, right? If I know, if I see that them, them are on a Rolex or whatever, I stop asking, looking at what they have and rather seeking to find out if it's my business, what they're giving, you know why? Because I've been thoroughly embarrassed before because I was judging people. I was judging what them have and thinking, well, maybe they just shouldn't have that because they could sell it and give it to somebody else. You know, and then I got embarrassed because I learned how much they give. Let me tell you, let me just tell you straight. Some of these ministries, uh, some of these pastors that have a lot of money and have a private jet, right? They, they, they're, they, they may have bought a watch that costs 10,000 US, right? But the same time they bought that watch, they may have given away 10,000 US, right? A lot of these churches, a lot of these systems are doing so much good I'm talking charity, you know, benevolence, you know, philanthropy, giving so much to their communities, and not to mention just the packaging and uh, the presenting of truth and faith. So, so I stop. I would encourage everybody to judge, if as much as you can. You know, you meet a man of God, ask him about his giving, and then think for yourself. You know, uh, do I value? Do I understand that I'm valued? Because the same people criticizing people that may have a lot, think they should have less and give more, them same people not really valuing, valuating how much they're giving either. So I call us to give. God calls us to give first. And if you can give and still have enough, that's a part of God's blessing. Yeah. So, But, you know, my father used to explain to me because in the beginning I wanted to do social work um, at school and my parents were like, mm -mm, that's not a good idea for you. Um, because I get attached and I will take home people's children, as was evident, you yeah, know. Yeah. You know? Um, mm -hmm. But the, what my father explained to me is that you can't help somebody else if you can't help yourself. Yeah, man, come on. And, and I didn't understand yeah. that principle until way later. Mm. And, when, you know, when I started doing mentorship, I realized the value of money became real to me because the fact that I was living on my own, I really didn't have any responsibilities. I was at an executive level in a multinational company and I literally had the resources to help financially these kids. I mean, one, now I have the ability to send to school. She's now in college and I'm, you know, she's fully taken care of and I've been able to bless other people like that because of the resources that I have been blessed with. And so I, I completely understand and appreciate now the value of money in a totally different way. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. like you said, you know, we're blessed to be a blessing. That's really what it, it boils down to. So every verse that I have read in the Bible that applies to money really speaks to the management of money more than anything else. And so... Um, another thing that I want to talk about is budgeting and why that's important. You know, I was reading in Luke, I think it was Luke 14, um, 20, and it was 20. saying, yeah, and it was saying that, you know, um, if we're, in, if we're intending to build a tower, who doesn't sit down first and, and count out the cost of what it takes to build a tower? And so this, this is exactly the principle that we apply to our lives when it comes to budgeting. A lot of us live excessively because in our mind, we want more than what we can afford. And mm. it's because a lot of us don't even know what we can afford because we're spending money before we even know how we get it and what we need to actually allocate it for. So mm -hmm. before we start to build a house before we even get the money to pay for the first brick. And so, so why, why is budgeting important? Well, well, man, a lot of great reasons, right? Um, I found, yes, that they, to, what, to, to this big point, that both the rich and the poor, both the rich and the poor struggle with budgeting and money management. It, it's ridiculous. It, you know, you would think that the more you get, the more you learn how to manage it. But that's not the case. Right? You, it, I, I, probably if we check all the statistics, rich people, rich people worse with money than people who don't have a lot of money. But, but, but getting to the nitty gritty of like the heart issue, I think a lot of people don't. You see, if you're going to budget and forecast, 
then it calls you to account and record what you've done with the money. And there is a problem that I think people have subconsciously, psychologically, uh, in their con conscience that makes them not really record what they spend. Why? Because some people don't want to answer to what they have spent so they can figure out how to spend better. You know, the Bible says, um, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some people would rather leave them heart where it is. So then now look at where them treasure is. So when them wife or them husband or, or somebody asks them, you know, a family member, somebody, a business partner, somebody says, let's look and see how you spent. A lot of people just don't want to be called to account for what they're spending. A lot of people are worshiping uh, different things and they're utilizing money to get it. And when you do proper management through recording, which is the first part of budgeting, you have to, you show that. And it shows why you, why you buy so much uh, coffee from Starbucks. Why is it that every day you spend six on, 650? Why every day you're spending 600 Jamaican dollars just forget coffee? So some people realize that they're doing foolishness. To your point, um, it's a deep heart conscience issue. So a lot of people don't. I, I've tried to push a lot of people, you know, a lot of business people, a lot of young professionals at the church, and I push them to get in advisors. And I say, you must have a financial advisor. Find somebody. We have enough smart money people in the church, people in the finance world. Let them advise you. But they don't ever do it. Why? Because even though it's their money, they have to go through it with somebody. And a lot of people aren't, they, they, they know that they, they don't want anybody to question. They don't want to be accountable. That's the first big problem, I think. So, I mean, to me, that's the deepest issue because it doesn't spell sense, right? right? I understand when you only made $100, but now you're making 100000 Wouldn't you manage it a little bit better? It's you know, the same thing. Yeah, I have a girlfriend that I used to work with and she used to make, let me say, $70,000 a year. For, I mean, a month for argument's sake. And that $70,000 a month, she was able to save. She was able to send her kids to school. She was able to do all of those things. And then she moved from making $70,000 a month to over $300,000 a month. And mm. she saved off of that $70,000 a month. And I said mm. to her, you need to manage people's money. Yeah. yeah. You, the way that you think and the way that you manage money, is I've never seen it before. I, I, I am guilty of not managing my money properly, meaning mm -hmm. I, I will give away everything, which is also not necessary. It's not I'm glad you made that point. And so, you know, at the end of the day, budgeting is important because we need to understand exactly where we are and where, what we want to achieve. So if I want to buy a house, then my budgeting will help me to plan to buy that house. You know, one of the greatest things that you had taught us is that when, when we want to budget, when we think when we're doing our projections about how much money we want to make at the end of the year or at the end of the month, then we start from our giving. I want to be able to give X amount of money this year, and that's how I know how much money I want to make this year. And I think it's brilliant. And so I want us to move into talking about generational wealth. And when we talk about gener generational wealth, in order to create gener generational wealth, the first thing that we need to do is make sure that we don't have no debt. But debt from the perspective of not that we're not able to borrow. So it's not that credit cards are a sin, which we've all heard, you know, depending on which church you're coming from. Mm -hmm. you, mustn't, you, you must not be a borrower. Um, you know, what the Bible tells us is that the wicked um borrows but does not pay back so if you to pay back people don't borrow money however sorry you live in the states and now in the caribbean too you're you have credit and you're building credit and building a credit score and mm -hmm. so a big part of creating generational wealth is also debt management and so the bible does talk to us about debt and it's not saying that we must not incurred it it's saying don't incur it that you know you can't pay back <laughs> right 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 absolutely so, so i want you to talk to us now pc about generational wealth and why it's important to create generational wealth not just think about you and today mm -hmm. all right all right uh the bible wants us to uh, proverbs thirteen twenty two, right uh, a, a good man a good woman leaves an inheritance 
not just for them children, but their children's children, right? Uh, very, very powerful. I want you to understand that, you know, that this inheritance, this leaving, it, it, it starts. I mean, there are a couple of things we can leave, right? Uh, before we get to the money, you know, we need to leave truth. Yes. Integrity. Integrity in how you manage your money and so forth, right? Uh, you need to leave a good name. I'm t- now you say, well, we're talking about money, Pastor Chris, but let me tell you something. Uh, you, will, you will be surprised at persons who have inherited a, a culture of lies. You talked about it before. So this, this inheritance that you're laying up, it's integrity. And, and it's integrity that's stored on paper, like debt and, and you know, it's things that you've done in the past, but also in your name, right? Some people inherit a bad name, right? As opposed to like a good name. Then, of course, lay, 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 lay down, you know, assets, land and assets. And then uh, income earning business, you know. So the, the, there are a couple of different areas in which we need to grow to where we can leave, right? I think the, the prevailing problem in our culture, and I think in the North American culture, culture to people watching from there, is that the, the, the world system spits out workers, right? But, but the Bible produces owners, right? Uh, the, the Jewish culture and the Bible, the Jewish culture produces lenders, Okay, that's why the Jews are the number one lenders, right? Um, in many industries, right? And the, the Bible is saying, God is spitting out owners. God is saying, you need to graduate. At some point in your life, you have to graduate from being a worker to a, to a owner. You know, you have to uh, get, get into the, uh, the, the whole idea of possessing. You know, you need to possess so that you can give it to the next generation, next generation. You know, there are just countless examples, countless examples. One of the, one of the most powerful um, case studies I've ever done in, in putting this book together um, that I did is unlike the McDonald's story. And just quick, 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 uh, but it's just so powerful that these guys, you know, they, they were selling burgers. Then a guy came along and he, and he was selling stores, you know. Then another guy came along right, and started to buy through the organization, to buy the land that the stores were under, right? And he took them into a, a whole new level of what they could have leave behind. It's one thing to make burgers. It's another thing to sell stores to other people to make money. It's another thing to buy the land that they're underneath and to own assets, yeah. right? I, I would hope that everybody that's listening to us um, in the, in, would, would, would say, you know, I need to graduate. If, if all you have is a jobby job, job, if, I, if all you're doing is working for somebody else, right? While you're there, work for them like it's for your business. Own that business, right? Until you learn what it takes to then go out and start your own business because God wants us to graduate. You know, people go through seasons where they're working for somebody else, where you work uh, and you, you work for them and you you own what you're doing and you make them a lot of money. Uh, but you, I think everybody has to make that leap. God is calling us to make a leap. Now we're talking deep stuff here, but the only way to lay up an inheritance is if you tap into possession and ownership, right? Uh, so that is what I want to push everybody to, owning. Yeah, I, I just want to go back a little bit because I think it's so, so important. The, the, mm-hmm. the, that you talked about earlier about yeah we're talking about money but the values that come with the money are so much more important than the actual money because mm. too many times where children have inherited millions and millions of dollars that have been squandered in in less than no values because the kids don't know how to manage it they, they don't understand mm. the money you know i read um a story the other day a prince in saudi was our our king or whatever in saudi arabia um, was saying that his children, his children's children, the generational wealth that he has created, they are actually worse off than when he was. Even though he built the empire, they by the time it gets to them, they have everything and they they don't know the value of anything. And so mm. by the time it gets to them, they they are actually poorer 
than than he was because they're poor they're poorer in integrity they they grew up having so much that they they weren't taught the value of how it came what you know what it's worth how to maintain it how to preserve it how to continue creating that generation mm. of and how to manage it and not let it manage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so how to not be driven by the love of money right 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 and and also you see if we if we don't get so i just gave a quick list right and it seems seems simple but if you don't do it in the right order. If you don't understand first that truth is what is being left, and then a name, then then assets and an income earning, um, income generating engine or business, right? Uh, because you see, if the truth isn't there as the foundational piece, nothing, it's, it, I'm just saying t- to your point. So, so uh, I don't remember what the scripture is, but, but the principle is that God entrusted wealth God entrusted possession and land to men uh, in the Bible, to men and women in the Bible, who he knew would turn around and teach it to the next generation. You see, it's not a matter of just taking the mountain, you know, owning the thing, but, but he gave possessions and power and positions of power to persons that he knew would teach and train the next generation in truth, in who he is, in the why, uh, in the how, and before they get to the what, then get. There is the how we got it, how we keep it. There is the why, and and so forth. So, like, truth is 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 one of the most um, you know powerful powerful things that you can possess. Because money without the truth, as you're saying, I mean, it can go it can go a whole lot quicker than you receive it. You know. Absolutely. You know, and then when you think about things like health, you know, um, when Steve Jobs mm. was that boy, he would trade all the money in the world to get his health back. Mm. You know, you can't, there's a lot of things that money can buy. So the things that we value matter so much, you know, mm. again, that's why it goes back to the scripture that money is not a problem. It's the love of money and what we're drinking mm. that, that creates other issues in our lives. Yeah. So, something that is a, a very controversial topic when it comes to money is giving, right? And you know, in Corinthians, Second Corinthians nine, it tells us that each of us should give um, what we have decided to give from our hearts, and not give with reluctancy, and to not be compelled, compelled or under compulsion to give, um, because God wants us to give cheerfully. He loves cheerfully. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Um, tell us the difference between giving, offering, and tithing. That word that everybody doesn't like to talk about. Tell us the difference yeah, between yeah. before we get into, you know, the importance and the why. Mm-hmm. Well, if if we're looking at uh, if we're looking at the biblical principles, you know, the the root of this whole thought. Um, you know, it, it, it starts with, we see a man um, having victory in battle. He makes a lot. You know, he wins. He, he earns a lot. He has all this, this, this uh, treasure. He has all this stuff. And he goes. And the first thing he does is he goes to his pastor, to his preach, his priest, sorry. And he gives him 10%. The Bible says he gives him a tenth. The tenth does sound like a big word or like an old word for ten. Tithes are sounds like an old word for ten, but it's just the same thing. It gives a, a ten percent, right? So it means it means a tenth. Tithe means a tenth, right? So he gives him a tenth, right? And then we see a, a, a little bit later um, his grandson having this interaction with God, where he says, "He says, God, if you boss me, right? If you release me, if you boss me, you know, I, I'm right on the cusp of something. God, if you provide for me, everything." From everything that you provide for me, me and my children, we will give you 10%. I'm promising you before. Basically, it's like a a brilliant, uh, smart entrepreneur going to an investor and saying, give me the money, give me the thing, have an idea, I'm going to make it, give me this, and then I'll give you 10% every month, right? I get to keep 90, but I'm going to give you 10 for your inheritance in perpetuity. So... I'm sorry, I'm going to give it to you. So basically, that's what 
Abraham did. That's what Jacob did. And I want to also point out that we have the 10th, the which is a tithe. But the Bible also tells us that we need to give on to Caesar what is due to Caesar, pay our taxes, especially for those of us that are business owners or entrepreneurs. It is very important mm-hmm. wherever we are that we're very mindful that these are also biblical principles. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. And then mm-hmm. first respect and honor to, to who it is due. So we all operate in a country. So for all of us that feel like we, we exist in a country and the rules or the laws of the country don't apply to us, that's not the case. Biblically, they actually do apply to us and we are governed by mm. them. And so we have our tenth that we give as our tithe, which is to our church. We, we have our taxes that we pay, which is to the government or whoever. Um, and so what what... We okay, so that's our tithe and our taxes for more than 100 now. Um, and then we have our offering and our giving. What's that? Well, yeah, so so, the, so there are these, uh, you know, there are all of these things set up, you know, the free will offerings and offerings they did for this and offerings they did for that. Uh, but but an offering, it, the, the giving of the offering is in the, it's falls within the principle of, of sowing and reaping. Right, and God says, "Listen, when you when you give to me above the tenth, okay, anything you give above the tenth, it's like you're sowing, and I'm going to cause you to reap from it. You know more than you can you can hardly imagine." So He says, "Give, and it will be given unto you," kind of a thing, and sow, and you will reap. And there are all these principles surrounding investing in uh, God's stuff, God's business, uh, investing in in you know back then it was investing in a temple you know, and giving it to the Levites and giving it to the people that were running it. And basically you're giving it over to those that are taking care of his house, right? Uh, so that his house can thrive and ministry, you know, and so forth. So anything you give to the church outside of your tenth, you know, that you should give to your church um, is considered an offering and it's separate from that tenth that is required of us. Okay, so before we start to talk about the 10th and what we, what the 10th is for, um, does all our giving have to go through the church? No, um, no, definitely not. I mean, God is going to tell you, if you are a giver, right, God will tell you all kinds of places uh, to give to, you know. So, you know, I, I mean, absolutely not. But I, I, so I know a lot of persons, God may tell them, you know, give to this family, I'd like you to help. Giving, in giving this family for the next three months or something. Somebody has a need and you respond. Uh, you know, some people give to nonprofit charitable organizations and then give something to food for the poor every month and partner with, and, and partner with different ministries that ha- has affected you and everything. But uh, primarily, you'd want to ensure that uh, the, 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 home, the house th- that feeds you, the place that is where you are at, that God has called you to invest in, is where you give your tithe. And is also, um, you know, where you give strongly, you know, different things like first fruits and, and, and so forth. So I, 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 used to, I used to argue with my pastor, Pastor Christopher, <laughs> about not speaking enough about tithing and not speaking about giving, right? Um, because I felt like when we were in our membership meetings, it's almost like he's apologizing for talking about giving. And so I used to get mad. <laughs> and for me, I think what, what the, the way that I think about it, apart from the fact that it is biblically sound principle, and apart from the fact that it, it, it works, meaning I have never, ever, ever wanted for anything in my life. God, financially, God has always, always, always provided for me. And, and so that is one area of my life that I am unwavering because he has proven to me over and over that through obedience, he will always take care of me. But I think about my house. I think about where I live. I think about how I maintain my life. Um, if I don't pay my light bill, the light is going to cut off. If I don't pay my water bill, the water is going to cut off. If I don't maintain my house, if I don't paint it when it needs to paint, if I never put in like an AC, mm. 
Mm, I live in the heart of in the heat of Jamaica, or like a fan or whatever. Um, and so at my yard where I live, I want to be comfortable, and I also want to live well enough, like I said, to be comfortable, which means maintaining the place, right? So for me, naturally, when I go to church, I am not going to go sit down in a liquor shack that is uncomfortable and cooch up and hot or pop down or the door is falling off or I don't even want to be there. So I want my church to be comfortable. I want my church to be somewhere that is warm and welcoming, that people feel comfortable, that visitors can come and they know that they're safe, that they're, they're you know, in a comfortable environment, that they're going to want to come back. I, I, the first time I came to church and we had um, the, the screens and we could actually read the songs from the screens, it was like, whoa, this is like foreign. <laughs> it's almost like you don't even know what you're missing until you have it. So we were quite content for, because at the end of the day, we're coming there to worship. We're coming there to praise God. It's not that we're coming there to make everybody comfortable, but just like how I want my host to be comfortable, I want my church to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I, as much as you have your own business, for me, as my pastor, I would want you to have the ability to not have to work. You have, you work because you, you can, not because you have to. I would want for you to be able to commit more time or, you know, all your time to, to serving at church just because I know the benefits it has for me to be able to, to reach you or to speak to you or to spend time with you. So I would want other people to be able to have that opportunity too. Mm-hmm. And the only way to give you that opportunity is to have you present more, right? And not having to worry about running your business or being able to pay somebody to run your business. And so... For me, um, and I think that what a lot of people don't understand is that if I was giving my money to you, the church, and you were misusing that money, you are accountable to God for how you spend that money, not me. Because I already fulfilled my obligation and I already was obedient and was and and what God gave the, 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 the mandate that God gave me. So how you spend the money is on you. But any good church, FYI, and I'm going to scream it from the mountaintops, any good church that you are a member of, you should be able to walk in and say, tell me how this money was spent. That is if you don't have regular meetings. My church has regular membership meetings. So we know how the money is spent. Even before the money is spent, we know how it's going to be spent. Um, and so there's accountability. But for people to not understand um, from a logical and rational and realistic perspective that if we don't give, the house is going to pop down, is beyond my comprehension. You mm. always tell me that I'm a little rough when I talk about giving. <laughs> and so for the people that need you to finesse it for them a little bit, tell us what does what's the purpose of tithing? Meaning when the church gets the money, what are some of the different things that the church uses the money to do? Okay. Well, well, here's, here's the initial system. Uh, the initial system was there were 12 tribes, plus two, 10 plus two, right? And, and God said that one of them going to stop work. The Levites going to stop work. Levi and all his kids. They're going to become the priests. They're going to take care of God's house, the temple. Then the rest of them going to give them 10%. Listen to me carefully. Those of you who think that church must pop down and are... The people who run church must pop down and everybody must. 10% of, of 10 is 10%. Mm-hmm. 10% of 11, right, is more than. So right. what, what I'm saying is he set it up so that the Levites would have 10% more if you do the maths. Okay, so stop expecting the, the, the house of God and the church and people that work at church and think to make less money than you. Right. right? It, it, it does turn out that way, though. It's very challenging um, to get to the practical pieces of it now. It is very challenging to, to run a church, uh, keep quality high, and to what to your point, comfort. Comfort does play to quality. 
comfort does play to the to, to, to the to the quality uh, in some in some ways, and it, it it does play into how well you can evangelize and how well you can bring people in, depending on where you're at. Um, if you have somewhere that look more pop down than where them go to school or where them go when them go home, they, they, they're saying something that doesn't represent God and His grandeur and His glory. So so here's what God did. God made sure that His people understood that they must build His house first on the 10th and more to make sure that his house, talking all aspects of it, mm -hmm. right? Uh, make sure that it looks good, make sure that it's comfortable, make sure that it's strong, make sure that it's glorious and, uh, um, and so forth. It's, when you look at the temples of old and so forth, it's not not joking. I mean, the, the, it would be gold and it would be beautiful and they would have all kinds of stuff going. Not because for, for any man to get the glory, and we're talking about the brick and the mortar. We're talking about the house, you know. We're not talking about the people. The temple was glorious. So on biblical principle, if you understand God and the way he loves to shine, right, while he loves and while he heals, he wants to shine. Um, he wants that. So uh, practically, uh, you know, churches have to pay rent. And if a growing church has to save to, to, so that they can get their own building and have mortgage so that they... Age. Say again? Yes. So, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, but, but so churches, has, churches have bills, you know, and then they have employees and then they fund ministries. And, and, and I promise you, your church may be doing so many things that you don't even know. They may be supporting people that you don't even know, helping people up monthly and you don't know. Uh, the, there are lots of great churches out there doing absolutely wonderful stuff, stretching yeah. the, 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 the money that is brought in. Most churches, listen to this, most of the big, big, big mega churches, listen to me carefully, because I know holy for them. I know the pastors and I know what's going on. Most of them are, 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 are managing and churning month to month, right? Especially the ones with the big old buildings, that have thousands of people coming in to worship. It's not necessarily the bigger the church, the more money the church has. Uh, it's, it's the bigger the ministry that they may be able to do. So there are so many practical things. You know, a lot of the business people here, uh, you know, big people, adults here that are watching, it's to cover the expenses, it's to cover the bills and so forth. I, I just pray that you'll find a church, uh, that, be, that you will be at a church um, that is operating not just in integrity, but at a high level of quality uh, that guarantees, because some churches, it's not that they're stealing the money, it's just that they're negligent, just like employees. They, they may just not be as strong as they could be, so they're wasting the money, right? Uh, There's some churches, like a go for God, that is determined to give the highest quality, that would rather purchase the most, uh, the, the highest quality of something so it could last the longest, and so forth. Um, so I pray that you're at a church that has transparency and that if you go in in, in the right spirit, they'll share. Uh, churches that have, uh, you know, finance committees that review the management of the money on your behalf and so forth. But there are, uh, God's house must be built just like all your house has to be built and cared for. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think that we need to think about each other because our church is a reflection of us. And, and I don't think that um, if we think about it from mm. that perspective, then I think we'll have a much mm. better relation with our church. Jesus, because Jesus. I, I am, I, I mean, I probably am a very modest dresser. I wear jeans and T-shirts every day. But at the same time, I don't look like I rolled out of my bed. And I don't expect that I'm going to go to church where people are going to um, be carrying themselves a certain way. I don't expect to be going to a church with people that are not driven like I am driven. I don't expect mm. your church is a reflection of who you are, just like your family, your friends, the people that you choose to be around is a reflection of who you are. And so the ministries that are at the church are, are completely a reflection of who we are. And in order to maintain, like you said, to maintain those ministries, I mean, mm. some of our ministries have been around for nine years. Our church is 12 years old this year. And 
I, you know, some ministries we weren't able to start until we could afford to maintain the ministries. When you have a program mm-hmm. like our mentorship program that we've been doing for nine years, people don't understand the planning and the, the, the expense that goes into it. I mean, funding travel for the kids every single week, feeding the kids every single week. People don't understand that the, you know, how the money is allocated. But if you are a member of a church and you participate in a church, then make it your business to understand how the money is spent if you question it. Because I think a lot of the time we say things and it's like you said before, stop watching what people have and start watching what they give. And it's the same thing for the church. You talk about, you know, the the congregation having a mega church and you talk about what the church appears to have, but what we're not paying attention to is how is the church giving? So you walk into, I will never forget, you know, I heard somebody make a comment about they don't come to our church anymore because all they come in when he sees Michael Kors and Bridget Sandals. And I thought it was funny because, and, 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 and iPads. And for my pastor to start to even use an iPad took quite some time. Let me just tell you. Um, but, you know, the, at the end of the day, you're paying attention to the wrong things. So you come inside and you see some, you know, people that look a certain way and that dress a certain way and that drive a certain car. But are you looking at the ministry that we perform? Are you looking at different outreach that we actually do? Are you looking at, you know, our feeding ministry that we do down at the shelter? Are you looking at the mentorship program that we've had for nine years? Are you looking at men's ministry? Are you looking at women's ministry? Are you looking at the girls' home that we've adopted? Are you looking at all of those things? So... It's so important when you made the point about stop looking at what we have and start looking at what we give. And so start to pay attention to how your church or the people around you that are at church are spending, giving their money. And when I say, and and that's so let me correct it and not say spending, but say giving. Stop watching how people are spending their money and start looking at how they're giving. So, you know, we, we, we grew up in this culture of, you know, Christians are not supposed to have nice things and they're not supposed to be flashy, but it's not about being flashy. It's about being able to afford the things that you like. And we talked about this in previous episodes, so you all can go back and listen to it. What does a Christian look like? You know, um, but it's very important to understand the perspective of giving. What and You know, and God tells us that, you know, it is, if we're, if we're not faithful, with what he gives and the little that he gives us, then he how can he expect us expect to trust us with more? And so it's being responsible with the things that he's blessed us with now in order to show him that we can manage more or receive more. And it not and it's not necessarily more money, it's more responsibilities. It's you know, it's the ability to impact more, to influence more. And and in all of that, you know, more finances will come. Because if he's going to expand our territory, it's going to, he's going to enlarge our territory in every, every sphere of our territory. But he needs to know that we're responsible enough to do that. And so it's important for us to actually go and read biblical principles and go through what God says about our money and how we manage our money um, for ourselves. And stop listening to what people say and stop listening to all the different stereotypes that that have been polluting the atmosphere around church people and around churches and find out for yourself. You know, from from the beginning of this podcast, all we talked about is relationship and the importance of relationship and how this journey is personal. And so I encourage you, especially when it comes to money. To understand the biblical principles, you know, a, a great book to read is The Richest Man in Babylon. Every principle in that book is a biblical principle, right? And so you'll you'll see and help to understand for yourself. I mean, obviously, the Bible is the best source for us to understand, but there are other books there that help to facilitate and understand the concept. And if you look across any book that talks about money and any book that that speaks to biblical principles giving is always the number one thing and it's not even it's it's giving outside of tithing so the tithe is not even a giving the tithe is a requirement that's an obligation that is a command right because it's not our money in the first place and i think that that's what a lot of us don't even understand what we have is given to us it is gifted to us it don't belong to us 
yeah, we're the ones that are working and gaining it because of the abilities that God has given us, because of the circumstances that he's put us, that he's presented for us. Um, and so that money don't even belong to us. The whole hundred does not belong to us. So to give him 10% can be, and you know, PC, we talk about um, net and gross, right? And for those of you that don't understand, gross is all of the money that he gets without any deductions of taxes. And people always ask, do I give net or do I give gross? And it's a simple thing though. I give based on what I want to receive, right? So if I feel like me giving God net 10% of what he has given me is enough, then of course he's going to reflect. (laughs) He's giving to me from my net, that's reality. Even if you look at investments, right? The more that we invest is the more that we're going to reap. reap. And it's the same principle. So even if you want to dispute gross or net, I mean, think about it from the perspective of if it were you, would you want 10% of gross or net? And then then clarity comes quickly, right? When you start to think about it from your perspective and what you would be receiving. True, true, true. So any wrapping words, PC? Any last words? Yeah, wow. Well, we've said we've said so much, and I just think it's amazing. I think we covered a lot. Thank you, Catherine. This was great. Somebody once said something to me, and I just want to, to offer this to you. Pastorally, I do want to say. Um, they said, God wants to give to you all the money you need to do what he needs you to do, right? So you can get a, let me say it one more time. God wants to give you, God wants you to make all the money you need to do everything and all that he has asked you to do, right? With your money. Uh, It's just an amazing, um, you know, promise to us. That, that, that principle, God wants us to do some stuff and we therefore need to make, um, you know, it, we have a part to play in that formula, right? Uh, we need to find out what does God want me to do? How much does he want me to give? What kind of life does he want me to live? And you will find that that is exactly what God will provide for you. I want to encourage Christians. I want to encourage believers, those of you, um, that are here, to, to work hard and make a lot of money mm-hmm. so that you can do a lot for God. Work hard, possess a lot, uh, make a lot, have a lot, churn out a lot of resources, let a lot of resources flow through your life so that you can, not just so that you can hoard and have a whole lot, but so that you can give a lot and become a part uh, of the answer uh, and the answers that Jamaica needs, your community needs, and that other people need. Yeah. And I, I think I just want to close by reminding us that, you know, we've said it in several episodes before, that God created us in his image, and he created us to rule and to have dominion. And a big part of having dominion is being able to manage and to care for um, everything that he has created. And so it is, you know, you talked earlier about um, creating ownership and possession and God created us to possess. He created us to be leaders. He created us to multiply. And in order to do that, we have to understand his principles and how he has laid them out for us. So I'm encouraging everybody to really spend some time to look at what God says about managing money, um, about how he because if we follow his blueprint there's nothing that can stop us if we follow his blueprint around how we get our money how we manage our money through budgeting through debt management through investing and most importantly through giving we will not be able to conceive we will not be able to conceive how much god is going to use us to be able to impact so many others through giving. 
And so I encourage you all to spend the time and to really do a deep dive for yourself. Um, like I said, there are so many resources that you can use to even Bible commentary. So if you even Google, we're living in an age of Google now, digital age, you can Google what does the Bible say about money? <laughs> and, and it will all come up. What does the Bible say about debt? What does the Bible say about giving? What does the Bible say about investing? And you can literally um, find a million resources around these things. So do the research, find out for yourself. You know, at the end of the day, all we want is for you to develop your own relationship with God. We want for you to understand him and to know him intimately and to understand that the plans that he has for your life, the plans that he has for our life, far supersede any plan that we could have for ourselves. And we just want you to allow him to manifest in your life in a really special and meaningful way. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for discussing on Money Matters with us. And, um, you know, be blessed. And, and we really hope that this episode has touched you. And if it has, we want you to share it with everybody else. And we want you to listen to the previous episodes. And we want you to comment and let us know. Give us your feedback. I'm glad you guys listened. And we'll see you next week. If Catherine has me back next week, I'll be here. And I hope that you <laughs> hope to see you. Next week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.